Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. I want to thank you all for listening. This is the first of a two-part episode. You're going to get bonus episodes, folks, because this was recorded at the LA Podcast Festival in early October. I enjoyed very much going down there and seeing the shows of uh, friends of mine. Big names were down there. We were not part of the festival here at Travel Tales Podcast, but I did get a pass to go in and hang out in what they call the Squarespace Podcast Lab, which was basically an oversized green room where many of the uh, festival talent were going in there to get various snacks and such. And there were outlets there where we could set up your stuff and uh, have them sit down and do some interviews. So I set up shop in there, grabbed a bunch of people, and asked them to sit down and tell me some travel tales in between what they were doing. So it was very nice. And uh, I got a bunch of people. So when all was said and done, I had enough to do a couple different shows out of this. So there's the explanation. The second explanation that needs to be said is that you'll hear some chatter in the background. There's a lot of people running in and out of this room, so it's not the pristine recording that you hear right now that's so quiet and lovely in my home studio. It is um, a little chatty in there, but uh, still very clear. You can hear everybody and blah, 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 blah. That being said, Travel Tales Podcast is our website. Go there, and you can click on the links to iTunes, where you can subscribe for free. And while you're on iTunes... Hey, why not give us a good rating, huh? We're also on Stitcher Radio. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All the links to those places are at TravelTalesPodcast.com. On the front page, go to the bottom, click our links, be our friend, link in, be a fan, whatever it takes. Give us a thumbs up on Facebook, all that stuff. I'd appreciate it. Also, if you want to write me, my address is TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Well, let's get right into it right now. I have three comedians on this show that were hanging out at the festival. Steve Benequist, very funny guy who I've known uh, for a number of years here in L.A. Festival co-organizer Chris Mancini of the Comedy Film Nerds podcast that he does with our friend Graham Elwood. And uh, Matt Knudsen, a very funny comedian as well. They all have good stories to tell, and I was very happy that they could sit down with me. So let's get right to it, live from the L.A. Podcast Festival. Enjoy. We are backstage at the L.A. Podcast Festival. I'm talking to Steve Benequist. How are you, Steve? I'm good, Mike. Good to see you. Comedian, writer, producer. How else would you describe yourself? Uh, bon vivant. <laughs> uh, I, I live well, and I do it in French you whenever possible. Well. Yeah. Speaking now that we're uh, you already brought up a foreign country, have you done much traveling around the world? Have you done any traveling around the world? Yes, I've been to Canada. You've been to <laughs> no, uh, I've been to, yeah, two dozen countries. I love going. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, when did this start? It started, At a young age? Yeah, when I was in high school, I was studying Spanish, uh-huh. and uh, we had a little two-week trip to um, Cuernavaca, Mexico, which is um, a beautiful place. Yeah. And uh, and that same year, my mom took me to Greece, and then from there, I just, you know, travel whenever I could. You've been to Greece. See, I've yeah. never been to Greece. been to Greece when it was still a functioning democracy. <laughs> uh, now you can go back and buy it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was amazing. I'd walk around these little islands and it was like a very um, old person tour. Like it was just me and my sister and this Indian kid were the only children or, or t- you know, under <laughs> under 50s on the whole thing. And then, yeah, I've, I lived in Africa for a while. And uh, Where in Africa? Zimbabwe. 
How old were you then? Uh, I was in college. It was my semester abroad. Okay. Yeah. So Zimbabwe. Now yeah. let's talk about this. Okay. So did you pick it or did they pick it for you? I picked it. Okay. Yeah. Why Zimbabwe? Why uh, Africa? You know, I got to college and the uh, the I was just really open, you know, to whatever was there. And I took this. I'd never learned anything about Africa, and they had this intro to African studies. Um, class, and it was so fascinating that I kept taking more classes, and then I was like, how can I make sure that I can go check Africa out firsthand? And I said, aha, I'll major in African studies. <laughs> and then they can't uh, keep me from doing it, so... So what kind of you don't you don't have to give away your age here, but what kind of you what years are we talking here? We're this, talking nineties, yeah, early nineties maybe. Yeah, okay. Ba- back when it was like early to mid, back when it was uh, not falling apart. Yeah, how was it politically when you were there? It was all right. Uh, Mugabe was still regarded as like a you know a good guy. He's horrible. <laughs> yeah, he's yes. really awful. He really. I was in his home village, and he had this huge house, and everyone else had little shacks. Yeah, yeah. That's Kutama for K- anyone who knows. Kutama. Yeah. Is it one of those things where the people know he's corrupt and they just go, well, it's the devil we know as opposed to... No, or, you know what it was? He had only been in power like uh, a dozen, you know, to 13, 14 years then. Yeah. And um, that's short by African dictator standards. And uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he'd been elected. And, um, and also they're the neighbor of South Africa. They used to have apartheid. And yeah. at, at that time... South Africa was just ending apartheid, so they were like, "We're leading the way. We made things okay for the white settlers who didn't kick them out and take their land." And uh, so he was seen as like a good guy. Oh, and he also dedicated more of their GDP to education than any other uh, African country. They're very well educated, so he was like a good guy. Were I don't yes. think that's the case anymore. Is it? Well, I mean, the people who learned how to read haven't forgotten. I don't think. No, but but was he doing the <laughs> land grab back then? No, that was like two thousand. Okay, I think yeah. You know a lot about this. Not everybody well, knows. Well, I was in South Africa. You were. And uh, there was a lot of former Zimbabweans who yes, had roadies. Moved, yeah. They, they who had moved to South called. Africa yeah. because the, basically their land was being taken away. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's very corrupt. I mean, it's, it's yes. insanely corrupt. Yes. There. Really depressing. So what was it like when you were there? So you're this kid. Some yeah. fresh-faced white kid coming from uh, America. Yeah. Your first impression when you walk off the plane, you're like, holy crap. What happened? Uh, well, I'm from Massachusetts, and everyone okay. else the program is from California. It lo- Now that I've lived here a long time, it looks and feels like California, like the same climate. Just dry, kind of, of a California. desert. Yeah. Okay. So to them, it wasn't exotic. The other people on this program, to me, were like, <laughs> oh, wow, it's dry and all that. Um, I felt very aware of being a minority. That yeah. is a strange thing for a white American to be like, oh, wow. Like... I'd be in the capital city, Harare, on the streets, and I swear to God, uh, if I were religious, I would do that. Uh, <laughs> when I looked around, and if I saw a white face, it was often an albino black person. Oh, really? Yeah, more often than another white person. I read that in Africa, albinos really have a hard time. Like there's, They the, used to, especially. Yeah, because there's, there's all these weird myths about them, like they're... They're either evil or mm-hmm. devil-possessed, or if you... Yeah, it's really... And twins also. Yeah, they're like old-fashioned superstitions. Oh, that's yeah. tough. That's tough. So you get there. What was your job there, basically? You were studying, or yeah, did studying. you have to work on a farm? What did you do? Uh, well, they, we stayed with families in a couple different places, uh, like a, a village, um, and then there's like a second... The main group is Shona, and then there's, they're like three-quarters of the population. Then there's this other group called the Matebele, and we stayed with a Shona family in a village... Matabele family in a city, and then a long homestay with another family in the capital. And uh, so I got to see some different places, village life, 
It was weird, man. No electricity. Wow. You go to sleep when the sun goes down, more or less. <laughs> uh, and the old, like the older guys, the babas in the village would hang out um, at the bottle store, which is where they could drink beers. Yeah. And um, the bottles are all, like, scuffed because the recycling program is they get sent in, like, power wash in a factory. So you have this, like, scuffed beer bottle <laughs> and uh, drinking and talking with these old guys. It was really fun. So when you were there, was that when uh, apart- apartheid was ending next door in uh-huh. South Africa? Yeah. So what was the reaction there when that was going down? It was like it had ended officially, but Mugabe hadn't been, or uh, Mandela hadn't been elected yet. So it was sort of, I don't know, they weren't talking a lot about it, but I mean, I'm sure they were aware. Right, right, yeah. right. So what were they asking you about America and what did they think of, uh, what were their impressions that they, you... uh, they're like rich little, so they did a lot of impressions. Doo-hoo! Carson! Yeah, the entire nation is Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who Carson is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what, what, did, what were their uh, thoughts of America? They were, I don't know, they were super friendly. I, I haven't been that welcomed by anybody. They were so... And then the fact that I knew a little bit of Shona, especially in the villages, they're like, what? A white person who speaks, you know, so that... So you were studying up before you, you went over. I still remember a few... Well, they, they taught it to me there, too. Okay. And uh, it was tough, though, because once... They want to practice their English on you. So it's actually kind of hard to learn their language very well. So I only got kind of mediocre at it. But I'd still bust it out like... Uh, <laughs> If I'm if I ever meet a Zimbabwean, I'll say a couple of phrases, and they're like, "What?" and then their minds get blown again. <laughs> Is that just a, like a regional tribal language, and then there's like well, a dozen of them around Zimbabwe? There are a few dialects that kind of got centralized when uh, it was colonized in the 1890s, and um, linguists, you know, gave them a writing system, you know, our alphabet, and yeah. Um, but they're basically similar enough. It's like probably eight or nine million speakers of Shona. Uh, and wow. they, they bleed a little bit over into neighboring like Mozambique and uh, Malawi, but it's mainly Zimbabwe. Did you get to see any other parts of Africa while you were there, or just stay yeah. down there? Uh, on that, and I went back, and on that trip I went to uh, Zanzibar in Tanzania. Oh, I always want to go there. It is incredible. Is it beautiful? Incre- yeah, white yeah. sand beaches, yeah. monkeys climbing on trees, and uh, delicious seafood, and really nice people again. And Kilimanjaro is on my radar. I really want to climb I want it. to, too. And they also, you know, if you were to go there, you can go gorilla trekking. Yeah. They take, like, groups of six people in... Uh, in Rwanda now. Rwanda, I mean, you Uganda, can go up. and Tanzania. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I really want to go. Yeah. I've only been to South Africa, so uh, the well, rest of Africa. Where did you go in South Africa? I was down in, uh, well, Cape Town and then mm-hmm. down in the tip there in Hansby and... Um, and where else did I go? Oh, up by Polanisburg State Park. Oh, cool. Which is where up so by all the north Western... of Johannesburg. Oh, okay. But I didn't stay in Johannesburg. I didn't see the city that much. But I years later, I went to uh, Johannesburg, and uh, and the Kruger National Park yeah, around yeah. there. And uh, th- I also went into Mozambique, and that was really cool. What's Mozambique like? Um, it's a former Portuguese. I know they speak, they speak Portuguese. It's yeah. one of the few places in the world that there's yeah. Brazil, Mozambique, and then Portugal. Angola, <laughs> and Angola and Portugal. Bissau. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple. But yeah, um, beautiful, really poor. They were uh, recipients of Cold War violence. Like, both sides were funded in the 20 year long civil war, like 75 to 95. And um, still, the capital, Maputo, is like, as you come in, as I did by bus, you see, like, the streets are pitted with bombs that exploded, you know, 18 years ago. And, uh, but then there's this hyper rich, in even the poorest country, I guarantee you, North Korea, there's always a super rich center. And I went to this little mall in Maputo that is three stories tall. It's very small by our standards, but made of solid um, qu- uh, marble. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. It's insane. Well, it's like that mall that just got bombed in, yeah, 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 in, Kenya. in Kenya. And it's like that was the one you know, rich person's mall, I yes. guess. And yes. foreigners and that kind of thing. So if you look back on it, did it change you in a way, do you think? Or as yeah. a person, as a I, young person? I still remember the shock of coming back. Um, and even, I mean, I was in the kind of well-to-do parts of, of Harare and good stuff. But um, when I was back and I saw... The inside of an American grocery store, and not even like a super fancy one, you know, like a Vons or whatever, it blew me away just how much we have, and uh, it, it stayed with me. And I've over the years still traveled to more third world countries and first world too, but uh, that never left me. Like that was uh, to be thankful for what we have and try to like help the rest of the world get there too. That's a, what was the craziest thing you ate there? <laughs> uh, I had a cow hoof. A cow hoof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how does that taste? It's delicious, actually. <laughs> you, really? You, you stew the hell out of it. You, like, boil it for, like, eight hours. Can you even chew it? I mean, what yeah, is it? it becomes soft and mushy. It's, like, soft, meaty fiber. It's, like, if you could make a meat pudding but give it a little fiber to it, like, the, of, of a steak. Right. That's what it's like. Okay. Yeah. The, the taste of poop that they step in is, <laughs> that's gone. That's boiled right out. Did you, uh, did you get sick at all? Any uh, illness? Yeah, I did. The second time, uh, I went back the following summer. Uh, to Zimbabwe, and I got this um, like bronchial thing. And now, whenever I get sick, uh, honestly, uh, uh, the cough will stay with me for like a month or two after. You got the Ebola. You got the Ebola. Virus. Yes, and I, oh my! You can't see this if you're listening, but my uh, all my limbs are rotted off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to. Uh, you got to come on the show sometime and uh, speak for longer. Yeah, yeah that'd be to. fun. And maybe we can talk about funny things. Yeah, yeah. although <laughs> I love actually, I love comedians are always interesting, smart people, and I love talking about anything, whether it's funny or. or I'm serious. Yeah, you're including me in that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, then. I, I'm a fan. <laughs> I, I laugh at Mike Siegel. <laughs> where can uh, where can people find you and uh, online? Uh, or? Well, I got the Twitter at Steve Beniquist, B-E-N-A-Q-U-I-S-T. And uh, if you're in L.A., I have a monthly live show, which I'd love to have you on, called, uh, and it's a variety show called the Steve Beniquist Big and Tall Show. Big and Tall Show. Which has That's a right. I tried to do it once, and then I, right. I left town. Yes. It's a variety show. We have great people. It's in Hollywood, and... Um, and that's it, I guess, yeah. If you find me on Twitter, you know what I'm doing. All right, cool. Oh, an Anthem Journal, literary journal. I'm the humor editor, and it's, uh, it's Anthem great. Anthem Journal? Yeah. Is that AnthemJournal.com? It's uh, Anthem on Tumblr. Anthem on Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Steve Beniquist, everybody. Thanks for coming by, man. Thank you, Mike. Sitting here in the uh, the podcast lab <laughs> with Chris Mancini, one of the founders of the LA Podfest Podcast yeah. Festival, I yes. should say. Mm-hmm. See, I shortened it there. I'd give you a little yeah, nickname, yeah. Podfest, but uh, also host of the Comedy Film Nerds, co-host with yes. our good friend Graham Elwood. Uh-huh. Um, thanks for sitting down. This is great. This is. Uh, I was really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad I could catch a lot of people. Mainly here. to That's sit a down. great idea. Just Maybe to sit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a nice respite. Yeah. I'm a break <laughs> from all the work you had to do. Yeah. So you were in the last day here. This is Sunday. Yes. How's it? How's it going so far? It's been going great. We've been having a really great weekend, and it's weird to like because there's so much lead up and so much work mm-hmm. to get here, and then it's oh, it's three days, and then it's done. Right. But uh, it, it's it's great to see. I mean, we always wanted to set it up like a. Uh, a Comic-Con for podcasts. We didn't just want it to be a comedy show. We wanted it to be all about podcasting. So panels and shows and a lab and parties and make it like really cool all the way through. There was always something to do. So if you um, were on the road for a long time, were you? Were you? I've always done the, yeah, the You're road. You're from Philly originally. Philly, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, did, I did the road for a while. And now that I have kids, I don't 
right. travel nearly as much anymore. I was trying to bring it back to p- travel in some yes. way. Um, <laughs> I've been, been around, yes. <laughs> yeah, did you do um, much traveling outside of the States, or was most of your travel Not in the for States? stand-up, but okay. I have done... Uh, um, uh, I've been to Italy mm-hmm. and uh, Scotland and the uh, England. And, you know, it's interesting. When you go to England... You know, we we did our honeymoon in London, and it was it was great. But England, I find so much more fascinating because of the history to go into the countryside. Oh yeah, and yeah, to yeah. just go down like my favorite place, I think that I've one of the favorite places I've ever been to in the world has been Glastonbury. Oh, in, okay. uh, in, in the UK, and it's got this amazing history. We and I just found it like doing searches online. Where do you want to go for the honeymoon or whatever? And it's this crazy, like mystical site with all these legends and King Arthur and the Holy Grail. And there's, um, it just has this, this energy and this vibe to it and you just go and you like you know you go up to a hill and you can sit by ruins and there's like ruins of this old abbey and <laughs> you stay to bed and breakfast you can walk to everyone it looks like you're going back in time there's a huge castle and, there right Isn't um, there, like, in, in the, the area time? yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's castles and uh and what's, what's funny is you know as quaint and small and as all this history there's a giant music festival there. Yeah, year. I was, was going to say, did you go to the music festival? <laughs> no, no, we went when it was nice and quiet, bed and breakfast, and then, but places like that and bath, and it's really, it's the, uh, the going to places like that just change you, and they just, just because the way they, they just kind of touch your lives, and that was one of those places that's like, okay, I haven't been there in a while, we went for our honeymoon, and now I have two kids, but... I'm going back there before I die. <laughs> the kids are older, whatever. I'm definitely I'm going back to Glastonbury at some point. When did you come off the road as a comic? I came off the road. I've been slowly petering out. <laughs> we all have. Yes. Mine's been a 10-year yeah, petering. Yeah, yeah. but it was literally it was that long. It was like, well, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And now, okay, now I'm married. Now I have kids. And I, I only do about four to six weeks at the most a year now and it's it's, it's getting closer to four right. <laughs> but uh and that's fine just enough to kind of keep my foot in it but it's not something i really want to do as much anymore I, I, you know the road is great if you're in your 20s you're, it was a great way to spend you're my single 20s. and you have a horrible apartment you know that's <laughs> you don't miss there's nothing yeah, to leave yeah, behind yeah, exactly i'm like well this is this i hope this lasts forever this is an awesome <laughs> lifestyle and then you know 10 years later you just want to hang yourself you yeah absolutely that. so absolutely it, it's uh um, so it, it's always weird too as comics like when we travel it's like you know I went to the ice house um, in ha- um, Hawaii That's, oh and in there's Hawaii. one in Hawaii they, they used to when I first got to LA they had a tour it was like a two oh yeah tour. I heard about this yeah. yeah it was fantastic and um, you know you get to go there for a vacation and you're doing stand up and at the end of a, ha- a Hawaiian vacation you, that you're working 20 minutes a night at you get a you, check you get a check at the end <laughs> so it's it's a very different way to travel and uh, but now you know with with kids and you know you actually make these trips so i'm going to san diego you know we're going to go to the zoo oh i don't have to do a show oh and i have to pay for it that's i have to pay the that's hotel. the hardest thing i get yeah, used to yeah, it's yeah. like oh i have to pay for my hotel room this is oh, weird does everybody do that you just you don't just walk in and go we're the comics we, yeah 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 where, there should be an envelope stuff? for me and <laughs> yeah. uh, it should say zero it's a room end. with my name yeah. Yeah, there sure so, but one of the things too is, uh, you know, like last time I we went to play Lake Tahoe for a week. Then you can bring the family, and it's a great vacation. Yeah. But uh, um, it's weird now to go and like just travel without, and you look forward to it without like having to perform or any responsibilities. It just you know it just costs more. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Is there one part about being on the road as a comic that you miss? Like, if, if there's one thing, other than the free stuff. You know what? Now that I have two kids, um, and especially with one of them had a sleep disorder, oh. uh, it's sleeping. Sleeping it's in until noon. Yeah. Remember those days? Exactly. The and, blackout curtains? Yeah, yep. Oh, Go yeah. to Vegas and get excited. It's like, oh my God, I can't wait to go to Las Vegas and sleep. Oh. You know? And because uh, I would go there and just, I'm like, all right, there's two shows. It's late. Uh, I am, you know, up at 5 to 6 a.m. because my kid's not sleeping. I did two shows. So I've been up from 5 or 6 to about 1 in the morning from doing stand-up. And then I will sleep um, until late afternoon the next day <laughs> and just catch up <laughs> from what I've been missing. If um, you had to say, well, like most of the people who are visiting the festival... Where are, they, where are they coming from mostly? Are they mostly Californians? Or? No, they're coming from everywhere, and that's what's so fascinating. Everything from um, D.C., everything from um, uh, Australia. We had you know, somebody from Australia come in, and um, some other, like Northern California. We got a lot of Northern Californians really? come down, okay. too. And um, some Midwest, and a lot of people that came in... They're setting up uh, a vacation where it's like, well, I'm coming in for the festival, but I'm staying two or three days on either side. So I'll go see Santa Monica or I'll go, you know, go some do some tours and then go to Disneyland or whatever. And that's great. That's one of the reasons we wanted to make this like it's a it's a vacation destination. You're coming in. You're coming in for the festival, which is amazing. It's but, a beautiful weekend. Yeah, too. It's a beautiful you, you weekend. The, it was like eight ninety time, almost. You know, take a few more days. Enjoy <laughs> yeah, Southern okay. California. You know, it's there's a beach a lot to do. four blocks away. Yep. That was really nice. So. Um, what are your plans for the festival in the future? You know, the the shortest answer is just more. You know, we have um, more more people come out, more sponsors, more shows, and but the main thing is is uh, you know we know most of the comedy shows. We, it's more more shows that aren't comedy. Expanding the festival into comedy, like I'd like to get Freakonomics or something. Like oh yeah, that. you know some of the the other big. Uh, podcasts that aren't necessarily um, comedy but would still do well in front of a live audience like you know one of the concerns is it's like oh well if it's not comedians or comedy you can't do it in front of a live audience no wrong it could be a political one Comic Con has panels all day long people sit and listen you know (laughs) and there are no comedians on most of those panels unless Chris Hardwick's moderating um But that's, you know, there, there, there's plenty of um, live performance, like even like when you get like PBS shows like or, or N- excuse me, NPR shows like The Moth. I mean, they're selling out theaters. Yeah. You know, there's, they're not comedian based. It's it's OK. People will come out to see live uh, shows that aren't comedian based. And I think uh, uh, there's a it's a great way to expand the festival. I mean, comedian is always having comedians. It's all of our friends. It's our bread and butter. It's our backbone to the festival that will never change i'm just talking about more expanding and making it and growing it what is your dream destination other than going back to england if you could pick one place that you've always wanted to go to oh that's easy new zealand oh it's gorgeous i'm a huge um lord of the rings fan oh yeah and uh i i just want to go to new zealand and take a Lord of the Rings tour. Oh, they have them. There's the I Hobbit know. Town there. I, like, I want to see it all. I want to see it all. I want to <laughs> take two weeks and take a Lord, you know, Lord of the Rings. I want to see everything. It's gorgeous. It really looks like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, oh, I know. when you see the widescreen shot of the mountains, and the, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so good that's, call. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a good that's, choice. That's definitely, uh, and I'm hoping to do that. You know, We're thinking, well, maybe for our wedding anniversary, can we maybe... You know, That's drop the one. kids off with the family, and you know, go. <laughs> how long can we leave them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's it's a flight. Yeah. I mean, Isn't but from LA, it's not too bad. Or something? 
Well, from L.A., I mean, you, you know, you take a sleeping pill, you knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can get there in, in maybe a little less, maybe about 13, 12, right, 13. Right. But it's worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Give yourself a couple of weeks, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks for stopping by, man. Oh, where, this was great. Where yeah. can people um, find you and, and the, uh, the podcast and the comedy film nerds? Give all the websites. Absolutely. Well, the podcast festival is LAPodFest.com. In fact, you can see the live streaming and the uh, um, also the archives there. We have a player embedded in the site. And you can always uh, see Graham and I at ComedyFilmNerds.com, and that's where our podcast is. But I also have my own personal website with a blog uh, that I don't update nearly as much as I should. But I, f- I make my infrequent posts compelling. At least right. I try. I try to write <laughs> compelling posts. That's ChrisJMancinionline.com. And then you can find my books and DVDs from there. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Oh, my pleasure. Good to see you, Mike. You too. Talking to Matt Knudsen, the very funny Matt Knudsen. Miguel. David Letterman's Siegel. own. That's now I. Uh, that, I Tonight Show, what did you do? I you did something Conan, big. I feel Conan. I've done a Late Late Show. I've uh, done a Byron Allen. Oh, thing. oh, you did the, the round talking in a sound no, circle? I did not do. Um, Kicking com- it with comics. No, comics with kicking it. Kicking it with Bry- Byron no, Allen. I did not do that. They actually had a show called uh, Comedy TV. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you yeah, do yeah. it? I didn't do it. I didn't. Basically, do it. they had um, like maybe a dozen shows at the Eli Broad stages, actually here in Santa Monica, and it was real uh, a crowd, and it was a stand up. It was like. For real stand up. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Where he didn't like. So, Mike, uh, you have okay. a hamster. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's funny. You should. Now, you like music, right? Talk to, uh, you got something to say about music, yeah, don't you? Yeah, it's just, just. You like roller coasters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's funny. a good segue. It's uh, a good, it's yeah. a solid. So, Matt Knutson, this, uh, yes. uh, this is a uh, travel podcast. Travel podcast. Have you ever been out of the country? Have you uh, done any traveling out of the you country? You know, I, before I moved uh, to Los Angeles and got into this racket, I was a merchant marine. Were you? I really was. So, See, um, I heard that, I've heard that phrase my whole life. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the difference between that and the, and the Coast Guard or something like that? What is a merchant marine? Here's the thing. Uh, if you are a merchant marine, you are not an officially sanctioned member of the military. It's not okay. it at all. You so you're not on, a tough guy, is what you're oh, saying. Oh, no, no, no. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's not you're true. Not man, you're not a man, is what I'm saying. You're somehow less than. Am I getting that right? <laughs> I get that. It's just you're not as good. Is that an accurate <laughs> representation? No. Um, but I've heard that of like somebody, yeah, my grandfather was a merchant marine. I was like, yeah, what the hell does that mean? Jack Kerouac yeah. and uh, Jack London. And, so you, you know, work for pay on a ship or of exactly. some sort. Exactly. I think the most concise explanation of merchant marine that I've heard is the truckers of the sea. You <laughs> okay. basically ship cargo, but you go all over the world. So instead of being like on the road in a 18-wheeler, you're on a ship You know that goes to... When I first started, uh, I shipped out of New York, and the, the runs in New York are Europe, uh, Middle East, Africa, and then the runs here on the West Coast, I shipped out of Wilmington, uh, California, which is like Long Beach. Okay, yeah. And then those runs are Central, South America, uh, did you go Alaska, to Asia Japan, Korea, oh, China. Wow. Yeah. So you did all. My, you crossed oceans. 
on these crossed ships. All, I crossed all the oceans. See, now yeah. that I, I went through the Panama some, Canal. I had oh, yeah. I, I just saw that for the first time, Panama Canal. The Pan- it's pretty impressive. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And when you uh, go through the Panama Canal, what they do is they schedule times in which you can uh, go into the locks because the canal is basically a series of locks yeah, yeah. connected by lakes. So you like go through a lock. It's not like one thing where you go through. Yeah, I know. And, and, and then you get to one lake, and it's like a parking lot. There's all of them waiting to get through. Yeah, so you could wait there for like a day or two. Yeah, it takes so a I, long I, time to get through, doesn't it? Been through the Suez Canal, been through Panama. But like when you go through Panama, there is a lake where they uh, you can like stop and if you're there for the day you're on, you're on the on the hook is what they call it if you're at anchor you're on the hook and you just you can jump out and I remember swimming in some of the lakes in Panama and like they have these uh, freshwater dolphins that oh yeah kind of, I heard like, about come that up and flying fish will it was really kind of kind of amazing it was odd because it, like the line will be some giant ships right. And then a little catamaran with like you know Some, two like, people, rich asshole yeah. on a yacht. What the hell? And they charge you. Guys you guys know Pierce, right? There's Pierce. <laughs> yeah. And they charge you by like the weight, I guess. You're, I think by tonnage. Tonnage. There's certainly uh, there's ships that are too right? big. It's really expensive to go yeah. through. Yeah. I mean, I certainly wasn't involved in those level of negotiations for it. I was just I was a uh, uh, able body. I was an able bodied seaman, which. Uh, um, yeah. I guess the equivalent in the Navy would be a quartermaster. Okay. So I was actually on the bridge steering the ship. I stood sea watches during the, you know. Do you, are you familiar with sea watches at all? No, what is that? Basically, sea watches are you work eight hours a day, but you, um, you break up those eight hours into four-hour chunks. So the sea watches are, uh, you know, 12 to 4, 4 to 8, and 8 to 12. Okay. So if you work um, eight hours, it's 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. So the eight hours happens within a 24-hour yeah, yeah, period. Yeah. So um, you wake up at you know midnight. You're on the 12 to 4, noon to 4. So that's <laughs> so you stand your watches. So wow. if you go in and out of port when um, you're on your watch, like if I was on the 4 to 8 and we're pulling into Hong Kong at like 6 a.m., I'm at the wheel on the 4 to 8. But you're also standing watch, you know. Basically, when you get into the open ocean, there's uh, uh, something called a gyro, gyro compass, which is like cruise control, which you can just kind of like lock on so you don't need to be steering it the whole time. It more just kind of keeps the same course. But you have to be there for course corrections or if there's... Um, like if you're changing course, like you need to go, you know, 15 degrees north, you take it off the automatic <laughs> and you just steer and you and you go in. So I was never an officer. They have an officer on the watch, and then you're then A B, and that's basically the um, the watch system on on those ships. But when I got off ships, I would um, I would just go backpacking. So I oh, get awesome. I get off. A ship. Well, it was I always say it was the block I would have gone to college had I gone to college oh, because really? I was like. 19 to 24. It was oh, like that right in that. Blew your mind wide open. It was great. It was great. So I'd get off a ship, and the money, you know, the money was good, but it was, you just made a lot of money because you worked. You couldn't spend it. You could, you, one, you couldn't <laughs> spend it, and two, you, you stand your watch from like, if you say four to eight, but then when you're not on watch, you work overtime, which is, it's not required, but it's kind of required. Right. They can't say, you have to work, but. When you're out on the open ocean, you have nothing else to do, one. Two, you're floating literally on salt water. So I spent 
countless hours chipping rust and priming oh. and painting. So you could start at the bow, chip, paint, chip, paint, chip, paint, all the way to the stern, and then go back to the bow and have to start all over wow. again. So you do that. You do, like, maintenance on the cranes, checking cargo holds. You had to really be there. So you could... You could make really good money, but you would be working 12 to 16 hours, seven days a week for months. Well, what kind of uh, cargo were you moving? I mean, just like... Uh, I worked on a bunch of different kinds of ships. Uh, I worked on a, a container ship, worked on a, a tanker, worked on a, a, a something called a row-row ship, which is like roll-on, roll-off, which is a series of decks connected by ramps. Okay. That was the first ship I ever got on was uh, called a row-row ship, and it was contracted by the... Um, by the U.S. Army. Oh, was the Army or Navy? I, I don't remember. But we went over to Somalia for Operation Restore Hope. That was oh my, my first job out of school. I went to school in Piney Point, Maryland. It was the, uh, the school of seamanship. And when I got off, um, I got a flight down to Savannah, Georgia, and I sailed to Africa. And wow. that was my first. It, it was right around the era of uh, Black Hawk Down. Oh, when, yeah, yeah. Uh, Somalia. Like, yeah, in Somalia. Oh, my so God. So it was pretty... So the, the, have the, uh, there were, were there pirates then as yes, well? Yes, absolutely. There were? Yes, absolutely. And so were you Ironic. on your guard? Were there, were there, were there yes. guns on these ships? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh, there were. There's, um, there's like a, even though it's not military, they have a handful of guys that, that have weapons training. And I actually went to weapons training at Fort Dix, New Jersey, so that I could be part of the, the crew. Like if we ever were tried, if they tried to board or take hostages or something, oh, yeah? you're like, there's a certain siren and you know you go up to the captain's office and he's got a locker and there's guns. And you're like, well, okay, well, I'm 19. I'm about to murder <laughs> some dude. Yeah. I guess you, you think about that now and... and you know, there's a movie now with Tom Hanks coming out about the whole thing. Ironically then- enough, I got I got an audition for that. Oh, really? For that movie because of my background, because I was a sailor for years and years, and I actually worked uh, for Sealand, which is the company that. Um, Oh, I'm I see sorry, their was, name on, yeah, the, on, the, car, Mer- on the sides of the Mersk on the side, Mersk. Of the side of the ship. Yeah, yeah, Mersk, Mersk and Sealand. But um, actually, the original name of the movie, Captain Phillips, was going to be uh, Mersk, Alabama, which is the name yeah. of the ship that Captain Phillips was on. Oh. So it was so funny because it was one of those like moments in your like life slash career where they're like they specifically called on you because they had like read that component of my bio. Wow, that's and pretty they're, like, good. We need to we we we're looking for real sailors who have real experience, and the fact that he's an actor too, it just it takes this to the next level. It was like Paul Greengrass. Yeah. I was like, oh. Did you get it? Of course I didn't get okay. it, Mike. Why would they give me the job? After be... all, I, the audition went great, and I really wanted it. Yeah. Why well, you would can't get it that. work No, out? you're not going to no, get that. they don't do that. It's so, so it's funny not what he because... calls Captain Knutson? Yeah, Captain Knutson. And it's funny because <laughs> that was one of those ones where I, uh, I like, pulled. I was just like... I really worked hard and I was really ready. But the first 10 minutes of the audition was like, hey, so you were a sailor, right? How was that? And I was just, like I'm talking to you now, very kind of relaxed and just like, Here, here's how it was. And I, oh, it's really interesting, fascinating. Did I think there was like three scenes that I did. They went great. And I, um, I won't mention the guy's name, but I have a friend who is a friend of Tom Hanks. And I was, I, I called him up and I was like, so um, I just went in for, uh, and he said, and I, because I had um, done a few episodes of Big Love on uh-huh. HBO, and that was a, a Playtone production. It was Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks and, production and company, Gary yeah. uh, Goats, Gary, 
uh, but it was a it was a, a Tom Hanks thing. Mm-hmm. So um, he's like he's like, tell your agent to make sure that they know. Are you ready for this? That you're part of the Playtone Galaxy of Stars. No, he said Playtone Galaxy the of Stars. Playtone Galaxy of Stars. If you've ever worked uh, on a Tom Hanks production or you've been a part of his empire in Say any it. way, yeah. you are part of the, of the Playtone, Playtone Galaxy, Galaxy of, of Stars. stars. Right. So I had the sailing background. I had the great appointment. <laughs> I had the Playtone Galaxy of Stars. It was like one of those ones where you're like holding your cell phone with your thumb right. ready to hit answer. <laughs> but nothing. You know. Well, that's, I mean, you know, that's kind of the game we signed up for. Yeah, I so, know. Well, let's get back play? to the Merchant Marine. Though. Yes, of course. But. Because uh, this fascinates me because you, I personally am, uh, I get seasick. Were so you a Navy guy? I thought you were no, no, no. no military at all? Not at all. Interesting. Not at all. I uh, know like, Jimmy Kaler was uh, a military Guy. Maybe he's a Navy guy. Navy guy. And Jamie Steve um, Mazon. Oh, I didn't know did that. My show. Yeah, Steve Mazon was uh, in the Navy. Huh. But uh, didn't you play a Navy guy? Oh, I play in I Jag. I did a couple of episodes of Jag. Rail. There you go. I'll call myself a seaman. That's close enough. I'll, that's, I'll say I'm in the Playtone <laughs> Galaxy of Stars. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever. I, don't even, I don't even know if I'm allowed to like let that. Playtone Galaxy of Stars slip, but you know I've had two cokes. So oh, now you're all wired. You're so, not the boss of me. No. So give me your. Um, what was the scariest country you pulled into? I would have to say Somalia. Yeah, it's uh, because be. it was honestly it was like not, not even a week after like that Black Hawk helicopter went down and they were dragging U.S. soldiers through, yeah, the, streets. through the streets. So normally, like you go and you. Um, when you go, when you're in the deck department and your ship pulls in to the to the dock, you're on the dock. You're the one that's like feeding the lines out and you're you know tightening the lines. So when you see all those lines, those are put out by men who are just you know with capstans and winches and stuff. So I had never had the experience before, but we pulled up next to a, a dock, and in between the dock and where the ship was pulling in, there was this burnt-out hotel that was probably like maybe like 15 stories, but it was just completely wrecked. I mean, I think if it was in America, they would have taken a wrecking ball to it, but it was like flames on the side. And uh, in that hotel were just snipers uh, waiting to take shots at, at people, like anyone that they saw that they could, because the ship pulled up into a, a, a military base. So they were just sitting there with their sniper rifles ready to just shoot anybody that they saw. Wow. So I had never had to put on like a flak jacket and a helmet to tie up the ship before. <laughs> but we had, before we even started tying up the ship, they brought a, a not a tank, but it was like a, it was a tank. Like but a Humvee? Was, n- no, no, no. It's uh it's like a Chevy. Between, they brought on a Chevy, a Chevy Vega <laughs> that just had this really seventy three yeah. sweet Vega. Ooh, man, I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, the tank, but it was like less than a tank, but more than a Humvee. But okay. they put they put like three of them on the decks of the ship and wow. tr- and um, had guys in uh, in these gun turrets with infrared cameras just trained on this building. So if they saw anybody there, they could see through the walls and like fire this is before they would even let us out on deck wow. to go and start tying up the ship so i was like i was like 19 like, oh, we put like a flak jacket on <laughs> how long does it take to cross the uh, pacific um you From know LA I think it, to 
Tokyo. How long was that I, in one uh, of those big oh, ships? Oh, the Pacific? Well, here's the thing. When you go that way, um, you lose a day, and then you gain yeah, a day. Yeah, right, right. So I think going like over... In hours or something. Oh, it's about six, seven days. Six, seven days. To yeah, go. yeah. So I think uh, one way it's six days, and then another way it's eight days. But, it's um, a lot of time for a 19-year beer I know. to be with a bunch of dudes in a boat. I know, I know. But I, uh, I, I read a lot. Um, I bought a guitar. I learned how to play guitar. Because, I mean, when you're not working, most of the time you're sleeping. Or, you know, I think they had like... So, you know, a lot like of Howard the Duck a lot on of VHS. <laughs> <laughs> Howard the Duck on VHS. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like they had the Right. The, and this is pre-internet. So you really, I mean, you, you're... Yeah. Gone. I was I gone. Mean, yeah, I was you're gone. not making calls. If you're you not... needed to um, make a call to somebody, you did it on the, the satellite phone, and it was like $5 a minute. <laughs> oh and it God. was a, like, it was a it super... It better be important. It was a super emergency. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And they would they'd take that out of your pay. Ooh. Yeah. So, um... Nah, you had no one to call. Yeah, and I've... Send mom a postcard. Yeah. And plus, when you're like 19, everyone's fine. Yeah. yeah everyone's going to be... Yeah. <laughs> your parents are still relatively young, and you know... Yeah. I think I got a call. I was in uh, Mombasa, Kenya, and I got a call from the um, from my brother that he had just had his first son. Who, oh, okay. So that's that's a good call to get. And it was the first, my first nephew, my parents' first grandkid. So um, that was that's money well spent. Did you get the call that uh, you're going to be in the Playtone Galaxy of Star? <laughs> They call me a kid. I'm taking that. Get yeah, on the satellite. Yeah, get in there. Yeah, you're the Plato. What does that even mean? Shut up. Shut up. You'll know in 17 it's years. It's worth every bit of the $5 oh, a yeah. minute. It's so true. No, I mean, it, it really was like pre. Because I think now everything's got, you know, the, the satellite dish and people are all Wi Fi'd up everywhere. Yeah. Honestly. Sometimes it's good to be lost and gone. I love being lost. Yeah, it was one of my favorite things. But now you go to like places all over the world, even in these places that don't have running water or toilet. You get a Wi-Fi signal. They all have satellite dishes. Yeah. That's, it really is. Like, you can go anywhere in sub-Saharan Africa, and somebody's got the hookup. Yeah. You know, they're, right. they're, they're on Adelphia. <laughs> <laughs> in they're watching name. Tosh.0. They you know, really are. Somewhere. Yeah, it's 500 channels of, <laughs> of America, basically. It, so what would you say, like, that experience taught you about the world and people in general, and what did it teach you about yourself? Um, I was always the kid on like all these ships that I went on. I was there. People were generally speaking twice as old as me, if not more. And these are guys who were doing it for life. So I had always been kind of like diplomatic and like very, you know, making sure everyone's mm-hmm. yeah. I want to be liked by everybody. So there was that already in me, but. I don't know. I, I just kind of heightened that a little bit because relationships are very, very important because I've had I've actually been on a ship, uh, and this is a true story, where these, like, this one guy like, pissed off two or three other guys, and um, we pulled into Gibraltar, and the guy went ashore, and he was never heard from again. That was it. And the, the reality is, and this is not just to sound tough, if you go to a foreign country... And you have a grudge against somebody, you can give some guy who lives there five hundred dollars, and you don't even have to get your hands dirty. You're like, yeah, hey, that's a good point. You see that guy? 
and we never I don't know what happened wow. to him yeah that was in Gibraltar so that is good to know yeah so if you're on I a ship I got some people that yeah. I, I <laughs> like, hey, 500 you say you want to go to Gibraltar with me why <laughs> why well, there's a big rock there what's the context of our trip <laughs> don't worry about it it's going to be fine uh, that and honestly um, people are people all over the, the world and I think they have a handful of things that they all they all want to um, be respected they all want to be heard they want to provide wanna, for their families provide for their families. Safe place to live and yeah. send their I think kids those to are human qualities more than than like national, international right, right, right. qualities. It's just human nature. So that's awesome. So be cool. Where can people find uh, Matt Knutson online? MattKnutson.com. K N U K N U D S E N. I'm also on Twitter at Matt Knutson or. Uh, Everything uh, on my website, it's uh, I have like hyperlink buttons. You can go on Facebook fan page, Twitter, yeah. YouTube. And where can people find you, Mike Siegel? At TravelTalesPodcast.com and FunnyMike.com. <laughs> Damn right they can. There you go. This is Damn where you shake right. hands, right? Yep. Thanks, Super Matt. Super fun, Mike. My pleasure, man. Matt Knutson, everybody.